So good seeing you here today. Welcome to Woods Edge. Uh, glad to have you. My name is Denny Henderson. I'm the executive pastor of ministry here at Woods Edge. And uh, happy new year. Happy 2019. I remember when I was a kid, we never thought we'd ever make it to 2019. You remember year 2000? Ah! You know, you thought your watch wasn't going to work, all sorts of things. But we made it. It's 2019. And, uh, and uh, I hope it has started off well for you. And I don't know what your New Year kind of practice is, but uh, typically in the New Year's, what we're known for is putting together New Year's resolutions. Some of you probably write them down. Some of you uh, decide not to write them down because you don't actually want to be reminded of them. Some of you are like, you know, I got it in my mind. And, but you've been working on it. You've been thinking about the things that you want to change this next year. Um, and some of you are very type A. So, so not only did you write it down, you made multiple copies to put through your house and on the mirrors and the bathrooms and things like that. That would be Pastor Jeff. He's probably done that. Uh, has he, Gail? He, okay, no, not yet. But uh, he is, he will write those things down. And, and maybe that's you. Um, some of you, uh, maybe not so much. Some of you were like, you know, I've tried that for so many years. I've just given up on New Year's resolutions. And, uh, you know, when you think about New Year's resolutions, there's going to be some, lots of things in common here. Uh, I bet if we were to share our list, we would find that much of my list is probably on your list and your list is on my list. In fact, there's a survey done. And in this survey, it gave us the top 10 New Year's resolutions. I won't do a show of hands, but I bet you anything, this is your list. You ready? Number one, eat healthier. Yeah, I know. My wife's had me, has, I, I've been eating broccoli for the last three days or like the last five days. I'm kind of done with it, but eat healthier, more exercise, save more money, Read more. Number five, make new friends. I guess your friends from 2018 weren't good enough. You need some new ones. I understand that. Learn a new skill. Number seven, get a new job. Number eight, a new hobby. Number nine, stick to the resolutions. And number 10, no resolutions. So uh, those are the top 10 list in the United States of New Year's resolution list. And it's funny because we'll get to February and the gym, the, 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 the gym that's packed today is not going to be packed in February. In fact, that eat healthier, get more exercise, for the most of us, it kind of slides off. And, and we, we went in. I mean, we went in January 1st ready. We went into the no judgment zone at Planet Fitness and we signed up. And when we signed up, we signed up to a monthly contract and we're going to be paying for that come August and we used it in June and we're saying oh I can't save any money that's because you're paying for a health membership that you don't actually use and then you want to read more so what you would put in savings you're getting the books but you can't actually get those books and read them because you're trying to make new friends but that's not working out because you're also looking for a new job <laughs> right like that's the way it seems to be every new year for me and, and but those are all just surface things in reality, right? I mean, we all want to be healthier. We want to eat better. But the reality is, I think what drives us to that is because what we really want to experience is some sort of life transformation that is meaningful. Like, like we step into these New Year's resolutions because what we're really after is a life transformation that, that, that just 
like brings so much change. It changes my marriage. It changes my relationships with my kids. It changes my relationships and friendships. It changes my relationship with God. It changes my workplace. It changes my hangups and my addictions and my sin. If we were really honest and we put together a new year resolution of what's really inside here, that what would be on top is not get healthy. It would be to get alive, to find freedom, to live the life that Christ has called me to live. You know, I, I see all the prayer requests that come into Woods Edge. Uh, all of our lead team does, but we, we see all the prayer requests, whether it's been written on a card or it comes through on our prayer chain. And we're six days into the year. And there are people in our church family who are just wishing. I was hoping, I was so optimistic that 2019 was going to be better than 2018, but I'm six days in and I've already lost a family member. I've already been diagnosed with a sickness. I've already lost my job. And maybe that's you. The reality is you're hoping that God will do a miracle something new in 2019 because 2018 left you hopelessly desperate. I got this text on New Year's Eve from a friend of mine. This is what it says. Starting tomorrow, whatever life throws at me, I'm ducking so it hits someone else. <laughs> Maybe that's how you're going to go through life this year. Of like, you think of 2018, and it was so bad. But you're just hoping that maybe 2019 will be so much better, but maybe you've realized you're six days in, and it's not looking very good. The passage we're going to look at this morning may seem a little peculiar for a, a New Year's passage. But I think if we listen, and we open up our minds and our hearts to, to what the Holy Spirit wants to speak to us, there'll be something unique for each one of us. The passage that we're going to look at is in Ezekiel 37. Ezekiel 37, verse 1. I'll read it for you. It's a long passage, so, so just sit back and listen. The hand of the Lord was upon me, and he brought me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the middle of the valley. And it was full of bones. And he led me around them, among them, and behold, there were very many on the surface of the valley, and behold, they were very dry. And he said to me, God said to Ezekiel, Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O Lord God, you know. Then he said to me, Prophesy over these bones, and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, Behold, I will cause breath to enter you, and you shall live. And I will lay sinews upon you and will cause uh, flesh to come upon you and cover you with skin and put breath in you. And you shall live and you shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied. And as I was commanded, and as I prophesied, there was a sound. And behold, a rattling and the bones came together, bone to its bone. And I looked and behold, there were sinews that on them and flesh had come upon them and skin had covered the bones. But there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came into them, and, at, and they lived and stood on their feet, an exceedingly great army. And then he said to me, son of man, 
These bones are the whole house of Israel. Behold, they say our bones are dried up and our hope is lost. We are clean cut off. Therefore prophesy and say to them, Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I will open up your graves and I will raise you from your graves, O my people. And I will bring you in the land of Israel, and you shall know that I am the Lord. And when I open your graves and raise you from your graves, O my people, and I will put my spirit within you and you shall live. And I will place you in your land. And then you shall know that I am the Lord. I have spoken. I will do it, declares the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Peculiar passage. A strange passage. It's not, I mean, you know, I know many of you are probably going through Ezekiel in your quiet time right now. I get that. But for the majority of us, it's like maybe, maybe that's the first time we ever heard that story. You're telling me this is a story about bones coming back together and God breathing life into bones. But it's more than that. It's actually this prophecy of Ezekiel at the time when, when, when Ezekiel was, was prophesying. Israel thought that they were hopelessly desperate. In fact, that was probably their state of being was hopelessly desperate. When you think about the history of Israel, that during this time they were in captivity by the Babylonians, and, and whether it's the Assyrians or the Babylonians, their history was one of captivity. It was slavery, it was sorrow, it was grief, but yet the contradiction, which is so strange, is that they are the chosen people of God. They're the chosen ones of God, but even as the chosen ones of God, I don't think they, they felt real received by God, they felt more rejected. They didn't feel left by God. They felt left behind. They, 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 didn't feel, they, they didn't feel just the mercy of God. They felt like, God, where are you? All we know is slavery. All we know is bondage. All we know is that the people of Israel at this moment had a sense of hopeless desperation. They felt more abandoned than they did adopted. Have you felt that way? Was that what 2018 was like for you? And the thing about Israel is that no matter how much faith they had in God, it was like they didn't have enough faith, regardless of what they thought, to actually look into the future and see something that was worth hoping for. Something that they could set their mind on and say, you know, well, this is going to happen. It was like their future and their, and their history had just proved to them that God's forgotten them. And what we see in this passage is that Ezekiel is, is brought into this vision from God. It's almost as if God wants him to see his vantage point. Like, Ezekiel, come, see my vantage point in the state of the people of Israel, of humanity. And then we see in verse 11, actually towards the end of our passage, it says, Then he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Behold, they say our bones are dried up, and our, and our hope is lost, and we are clean cut off. It's interesting what, God's, what, God's, what Ezekiel says here, what God says here. See, their hopeless state, their hopeless desperation, that was actually their own self-indictment. That was their own self-description and self-assessment. A lot of times we think that's what God says about us. God tells us that we're cut off. God tells us that we're dried up. God tells us that we've been abandoned. But what actually is happening is God says, no, 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 I didn't say those things. You said those things, not me. It's, 
It's in verse 11 where the self-description that Israel is giving themselves, he says that the people of Israel say, we say that we've been cut off. We say that we've been dried up. We say that we're without hope. It's not God. God is never the one who is prophesying over us or projecting on us hopelessness and being cut off. This is what we say to ourselves. How many times have you said that to yourself? You look at your 2018, heck, you look at the last 20 years, and you say, I'm just cut off. God's abandoned me. God's forgotten all about me. I'm not adopted. I'm not loved. Oh, no, 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 no. That's what you're saying to yourself. God didn't say that. God never says that. See, the people of Israel at this point, they can't can't think that there's possibly any future of hope given the past and the history. And maybe that's where you're at today. You look at 2019, and though you went through the practice of putting a few New Year's resolutions down to make yourself feel better and say that you've done it, the reality is when you look at 2019, you don't see how there's any way possible it's going to improve over 2018. And you've self-prophesied that I'm just cut off. My sin's always going to be there. My addiction's always going to be there. My hurt's always going to be there. My marriage is always going to be falling apart. My relationship with my kids are, is always going to be fractured. My, my workplace is always going to be broken. The, the, the issues that I have will never be fixed. But the reality is what you need is a desperate work of God in your life. You know, human beings, we're the strangest people, obviously. We're strange and that we vacillate so much. Have you ever been to the place in your walk with God where it's been so intimate, so close, that God is so real to you, that, that he's as real as furniture, he's as real as the food that you eat, and you think to yourself, there is no way possible that this intimate relationship I have with God could ever, could ever be broken. But we are broken, fragile people. And somewhere along the way, something tripped it up. And what used to be such great intimacy with God is now distant, broken. I don't know if you've ever been there. I, I, I certainly have. I, I've been through those times where, 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 where my walk with God was like, oh man, it, like you couldn't explain it. Like the neurons in the brain couldn't explain it. It was just so real. And then a few challenges later, maybe, or a few tough issues later, I'm distant. And it's almost like my, my soul and my heart go numb. I, I remember one particular point and moment in my life where, where, you know, I'm a pretty resilient person. At least I tend to believe I'm a pretty resilient person when it comes to challenges in life. But I've been to moments in a moment in particular in my life, where I felt like that my life had been completely stripped. That 
Have you ever been, I'm not talking about difficult times, challenges, or questions about God. We all go through that. I'm talking about the, the brunt force of trauma of life hits you in the chest and you lost your breath. Some of you are there today, right now. You barely made it in here. And you're just wondering, will I ever breathe again? Oh, I've been in moments in my life when all I really wanted to do was crawl up in a fetal position and die. And that was actually pretty optimistic. Hear the dry bones. Some of us are so dry, so broken. And we're wondering, will I ever recover? Well, look at the passage. God continues, and in verse 1, he says, The hand of the Lord was upon me, and he brought me, he brought Ezekiel, out of the Spirit of the Lord, and set me down in the middle of the valley. It was full of bones. And he, laid, uh, and he led me around among them, and behold, they were very many on the surface of the valley, and behold, they were dry. And he said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? Some of you are asking that about your life, about your marriage, about your finances, about your hang-ups, about your addictions, about your sin right now. Can this actually bring life? Can I actually get life again? And so God asks Ezekiel, Ezekiel, can these bones live? I don't know about your relationship with God, but I like to, do the, I like to ask the questions. I don't want to answer the questions. He's God. I feel like that he has some insider information I'm not aware of or I'm not have privy to. So I feel like that he's probably better equipped to answer all of life's questions. Right? But here God asks Ezekiel, Ezekiel, can these bones live? And I know me. If God were to ask Denny, Denny, can these bones live? I know me. I would actually attempt to answer the question. But you're in a no, you're in a lose-lose situation. It's a lose-lose proposition. If you say no, dry bones can't live, then you don't have faith. If you say yes, they can live, then God might actually say, okay, well, show me. So what does Ezekiel do? Ezekiel instead, he says back to God, Oh Lord God, you know. Only you know. That's his answer. And the reality is, is, that, is that he sees the question of, of Ezekiel, can, can dry bones live? Can, can God do a miracle here? And, and, and Ezekiel says, you are the sovereign Lord. Only you know. I like what he does. He pushes the question back up. He pushes the answer back up to God. And let me tell you something. If you're waking up every day thinking that you can bootstrap, you know, strap up your boots and make this life work all on your own strength and your own power, and you're trying to say yes to bones being made alive again, you are wrong. The only person who can say yes to this question is God himself. That's it. He's the only one that can make dry bones live. But we try to do that. We get to a place where we say, I can do this. I can get over this addiction. I can get over this sin. I can do this in my marriage. When what you really need is to do what Ezekiel did, is just to yield yourself and say, I don't know. Oh, sovereign Lord, only you know. And when we give, when we say no to God's greater yes, he can do a miracle in our life.
He can do a miracle. And so Ezekiel says, oh Lord, only you know. Ezekiel realizes that the question is too big for him. It's not because of a lack of knowledge. It's not because of a lack of understanding. It's a lack of capacity. (laughs) He can't actually do this. He can't do it. So he says, oh Lord, only you know. Only you know. He passes the question up. And look what God does. Verse 4. Because only God can answer dead bones. And when he said to me, prophesy over these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, Behold, I will cause breath to enter you, and you shall live, and I will lay sinews upon you, and will cause flesh to come upon you, and cover you with skin, and put breath in you, and you shall live, and you shall know that I am the Lord. I love what God does here. By the way, he, he first off, he's like, Ezekiel, this is what I want you to do. Go talk to the bones. Now, there's a lot of strange things about prophets in the Old Testament. I get it. Jeremiah, Amos, Ezekiel. Oh, a little strange. Right? And we, we tend to think that all prophecy in the Old Testament and in the Bible, they're usually there to give really bad news. Like, they're just the ones who give bad news. Unless you're Jonah, who was actually supposed to give good news, but he didn't want to do it. But in this moment, it's like God takes Ezekiel. He wants Ezekiel to see the state of the human condition. And he invites him in. He invites him in to say, Ezekiel, this is what you're going to do. I'm going to coach you through this. I want you to speak to the dry bones. A little side note. I don't see God as a bureaucrat. Like, in my mind, I I don't see God kind of operating very well in bureaucracy. I don't think he likes the middleman. I think God just kind of, you know, cuts the red tape and just does it himself. But yet, in this moment, he says, Ezekiel, come here. You speak to the bones. What do I say? I've never spoken to bones before. I'm going to tell you what to say. And look what he says. He says to him, prophesy over these bones. Oh, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. First you want to do is address the bones. Let them know you're talking to them. (laughs) Dry bones. Okay? Thus says the Lord, God, let them know who you're speaking for. You're speaking for me. (laughs) So he says, okay. Thus says the Lord God of these bones, behold, I will cause breath to enter you, and you shall live. And I will lay ligaments upon you and cover you with skin and put breath in you. And you shall live and you shall know that I am the Lord. (laughs) So I did it, Ezekiel says. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I prophesied, there was a sound and behold, a rattling. And the bones came together, bone to its bone. And I looked, and behold, there were, there were sinews on them, and flesh had come upon them, and skin had covered them, but there was no breath in them. So, so he actually, he, he does what God says. And I love the delicacy here. God is so delicate. He actually tells the bones what's going to happen before it happens. He's like, okay, so what you're going to do, you're going to speak to the bones, and the bones are going to come back together. That's going to happen. I don't want any bone to be unnerved. And so let's bring them all together. I want them to understand what's going on. And so he actually speaks it together. 
And they come together. And it says that bone to my bone. And then the ligaments and the tendons come together. And then flesh comes together. And the skin had covered them. Now what we would look at and we would see, and maybe this is the state of you and state of many in our church or the state of Israel here, is that they have the bones, they have the ligaments, they have the skin, but they don't have the breath of life. And so they look alive, but they're dead. They're dead. And so God tells Ezekiel, he told me, he then said to me, prophesy to the breath. In the Hebrew, it's the word wind. Prophesy to the wind. So now Ezekiel's gonna talk to the wind. Now that may seem strange to you, but he did just talk to bones, right? He says, talk to the wind. So I prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came into me, and they lived, and they stood on their feet, an exceedingly great army. And so Ezekiel talks to the wind, breathe, Breathe life into these bones, into the skin, into these tendons. Give life. Remember Adam? Remember in the very beginning where, where, where God put Adam, uh, he fashioned Adam together, but he didn't have life yet. He looks like a human being, but he still needed life. And so God came and he breathed his breath into the nostrils of Adam. And at that moment, life came. And so in this moment, all the bones have come together. Everything has transpired. But now he says, now they need life. Now they need life. They look like they're alive, but they're dead. Because it's easy to understand when someone, when there's a bone sticking out of somebody, you're like, yeah, not healthy. That doesn't look good. Right? Watching the cowboy game last night when the running back went down. Yeah, okay, something's wrong. But when you look good, people don't know. It's not so Easy to tell. And many of us, that's what we walk around. We got the skin, we got the ligaments, we got the muscle, we got the bones. Oh, but we are so desperate for the life. Desperate. And the only thing that's going to breathe that life into you is the wonderful and powerful name of Jesus. That's it. It's interesting to me that, that this was an easy task for God. Right? I mean, a very easy task. God, in the very beginning, he just spoke and he created. To bring some bones back to life? Eh, no biggie. But yet, he calls for Ezekiel and he says, Ezekiel, you come. You speak. You do. It's interesting to me that when God wants to do something in human history, he's asking someone, will they step up? Will they, will they come? Will they, will they breathe life into others? It, God transferred his authority over to Ezekiel in some form. He said, it's your job. I'm going to stand here. I'll coach you along the way. But it's you. You go and do it. Some of you have been through enough life for the brokenness of your life. You've been through hurt. You've been through addictions. You've been through it all. And now yet you sit on the other side and 2019 actually looks good to you because you know the greater yes only comes from God and you have his life breathed in you. And some of you are still desperate. 
A peculiar passage, but let me just roll it out like this. By the way, did you notice that after they came back to life and they stood on their feet? Pretty cool thing. Then he made an exceedingly big army, which I was like, okay, that's a little over the top. Not only did he bring them all back to life, but then he gave them a big army. He's like, eh, do that too. And then he says this. Then he said to Son of Man, verse 12, Behold, I will open your graves and raise you from the graves. O my people, I will bring you in the land of Israel, and you shall know that I am the Lord when I open your graves and raise you from the graves, O my people. I will put my spirit within you, and you shall live, and I will place you in your own land, and then you shall know that I am the Lord. I have spoken. I will do it. There are so many of us in here today that we, it's not that we're just asking God to do it. We are desperate for God to do it, and he needs to do it, because I can't. The marriage that's on the brink, God can transform that and do that. The life that seems to be falling apart. Some of you are here, you don't even know why you're here. We had, you, you heard we had free coffee, so you followed everybody in. And, and the message to you is quite simple. You're looking for life. You've got to go to the maker, the creator, the life giver you got to go to the person of Jesus. It's the only name in which you shall be saved. It's the only name that actually gives life. And you've been looking and searching, and it's right there, right here before you. It's the name of Jesus that will breathe life into you that you're so desperate for. And you may think, I don't need a Savior. Well, friend, if you think that, I can guarantee you, you don't have a Savior. Not right now. But you do need a Savior. And you need to say, Come. Save me. Give me life. Some of your marriages need life. Some of your sin, your addictions, they need life. Your brokenness, your hurts of the past. It needs the breath of God. It's the only thing that's going to transform it. You know, I don't so want to be a sermon. If that is you, here at Woodsedge, we want to come alongside. We, we want to partner with you. We want to see God breathe new life into you. Some of you are struggling with, with hang-ups and addictions and sin or hurts in the past or trauma. You know, just write on your, right there on that connection card. Just write recovery. Put it, you don't want to show anybody. Just put it in the back of the box, and we would love our team to be able to reach out to you. Some of you have been through all of it. And you've come out on the other side and you're breathing the breath of life. Hey, do step 12 now, which is get involved with others and bring them along. Let them see the life of Jesus Christ. Let them see it. 2018, 2019 will look exactly the same as 2018 if we don't rest in the mercy and in the power and in the wonderful name of Jesus Christ. Your marriage is still going to be on the brink until you surrender and say, breathe. Breathe into us. Breathe into my family. Breathe into my sin. Breathe in and give me freedom. Give me life. Revive us again. That is our prayer for our church family this next year. That God would do something great. He would breathe afresh on us once again. Let's pray. Father, this morning we thank you for today. 
We thank you for the wonderful name of Jesus Christ. We rest in the mercy of the cross. And as we take communion this morning, as we take of the bread and we take of the cup, may we be reminded that you are the one that is victorious. You are the one who, came, who, who overcame death. You are the one who beat the grave. And if you beat the grave, you give us life so that we can beat the grave. Every failure, every setback that we have, every bondage that we have, the name of Jesus can bring freedom. And as we take of the cup and as we take of the bread this morning, remind us of the powerful, wonderful name of Jesus Christ. For those of you here today who need the breath of life from Jesus, it's just a simple prayer and acknowledgement that, Lord, have mercy on me. I need a Savior. When we confess with our hearts and with our lips that Jesus Christ is Lord, we shall be saved. And you can take of the cup and take of the bread in a new way today. This is, I have a new life, new freedom in Christ. Church, let's take of the table this morning and let's rest in the mercy of the cross.